You know, holidays are changing. Uh, our world is changing. Uh, I live in a different world, uh, being raised in the uh, 60s and 70s. In that, those formative, those are my formative years. Uh, Christmas was about uh, being at home, and home was a specific place. And then on Christmas Day, it's about being at my grandparents' house, and uh, that was kind of where we just went. Now, uh, Christmases are tied to other places. I know people go on cruises on holidays. They go uh, different places. Um, so uh, times are a-changing. Uh, it's not as exciting to go to Grandma's house. There's too many of us, and that's, you know, uh, we wouldn't be able to watch the football game. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, the times are changing. Christmas brings very precious memories to me and uh, precious memories of family and special times together. So December is a very special time. Thanksgiving and Christmas, very special time of the year. Uh, we're entering into a December series and it's titled, Mary, Did You Know? Say that with me. Mary, Did You Know? There's a famous song, a very popular song uh, written uh, with that title. And uh, so the next uh, four weeks, we're going to be dealing with this, uh, this subject uh, in our December series. Now, the idea in the next few weeks, uh, like Mary, we're called to ponder the promise of God until we see it come to pass. How many have a promise God's given you and it, it, you're still waiting to see it come to pass? Amen. You just wave at me a little bit. And these things uh, happen in our lives and, and God gives us a word or he, he promises something to us or in a time uh, of communion with God, he gives us a word of direction and we know that that is going to come and uh, we, we, we're thankful for God's direction and God's, uh, God's uh, giving us these uh, great things that I believe these promises that he will bring to pass. We heard some about that uh, last Sunday. Uh, God has promised us great things. I want to be faithful until I see the promise come to pass because he cannot lie, he cannot fail. Amen? Amen. And so today we're going to be, uh, the subject today, our title of this lesson is Pondering the Promise. And pondering is a very important part of what we're going to talk about today. And the focus today uh, is remaining prayerful even when we have been given a promise that is difficult to understand. Amen. Even when we don't know what God is doing, even when we're not aware of what he may be trying to accomplish. Amen. So that's, that's the focus today, pondering the promise. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse, verses 15 through 19, and uh, we'll read those. Uh, and we'll begin with verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go unto Bethlehem, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Verse 18. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondering the promise. You ever met somebody that was a good ponderer? In fact, they spent most of their time pondering things. <laughs> you know, pondering uh, the best way to mow the grass. Instead of just doing it, they pondered it. You ever known somebody that thought more about doing things than they actually did it? <laughs> I thought about it. Uh, when we think about Mary and uh, when we enter this time of, of December and the holiday season, this is a very, very uh, powerful, powerful uh, story about a young lady who was visited by an angel and told some uh, incredible words uh, if you could put yourself in her shoes for a moment this visitation uh, what is said first of all just seeing an angel how many feel like you've seen an angel at some point in your life and the Bible says you entertain them unaware so even if you're not aware you saw one you I was reminded this week in our uh, we were spent time with family this week and we were talking about some of those that's gone on to be with the Lord and Cheryl's granddad, old brother James Moulter, uh, uh, he, he, was, uh, he wasn't born an apostolic, but the Lord saved him miraculously in a powerful way. And uh, as time went on in ministry and he got older, uh, they invited him to come to Jackson College of Ministries to, to uh, be on the staff. They were over the dorm uh, dorm mom and dad and, and taught some classes initially and then uh, as time went on they, they were still there on the campus he developed uh, the, the beginnings of Alzheimer's and he was beginning to forget things and, and uh, it, it got uh, well over time it just progressively got worse but in that stage where there were times where it was really difficult to understand what was going on with him and then he would have very clear uh, times uh, there was a point on the campus where uh, he came to the administration and said uh, there's a there's a gas leak on the grounds and uh, they so we were not aware of any of this going on and they said well where is it and he he took them and showed them and and they were surprised they called the gas company and sure enough it was a large gas leak in fact they said it was so it could have been very tragic, very dangerous. And so they began to ask Brother Moulter, they said, well, who told you this was, there was a gas leak here? We would have never even known this. And uh, in his simple way, uh, battling Alzheimer's, and, and uh, he said, well, there were, there were two men that came to my door and led me and showed me well, this gas leak. And they said, well, who was it? He said, I, I don't know. I've never seen him before. And and uh, hadn't seen them since. And uh, of course, uh, that story lives in our family. Uh, we entertain angels unaware. Amen. You may walk by them at Walmart and not even know they're there, so be careful how you're treating your kids at that moment. <laughs> be careful how you're talking to uh, the person that can't figure out what they want on the shelf and they're in your way. <laughs> What, what would happen if you seen an angel? I had one lady get up in, in a church that I was serving in and, 
she said, I woke up in the middle of the night and at the end of my bed, uh, there was the death angel. And she said, I poked my husband. I can't, what was his name? Sam. She said, I poked Sam and said, oh, Sam, there's the death angel. I'm not sure I would act like that if I saw the death angel at the end of my bed. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I'd have to poke Sam and wake him up. I wouldn't, well... <laughs> Sam wouldn't be in the picture for that matter if it was me. <laughs> wouldn't be no Sam. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, figuratively speaking, uh, I think everybody in the house would know there's an angel at the end of the bed. I mean, when you see them and you know, I mean, when they pop up and say, hey, I'm an angel, or you know instantly they're an angel, uh, you, you don't like Zet, her name was Zet. She just, oh, Sam, there's the death angel. Uh, their surprise, shock, uh, maybe even fear, maybe even is this message going to be good or bad? <laughs> Am I going to make it through this? And then the angel starts talking, and evidently uh, Mary's response was just as human. Now, we don't worship Mary. She was a woman just like any other woman in this room. Amen? And uh, she needed salvation just like every woman in this room. She was one of those gathered on the, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost uh, and, and needed that born-again experience. So we don't elevate Mary to a place of, of sainthood or intercessor but we do recognize that she had some of the same feelings that any woman would have because the first thing the angel says is fear not I mean the, the, here, the first response from Mary is fear and, and then the angel begins to say and says fear not for you found favor everybody say favor you found well I guess the, the, the fear uh, level drops to some degree at that point, well, this, this is going to be a good word. This is not going to be, you know, you're, you're, you're not ever going to get married. and you're, You know, you're, you've only got three days left. And this is a good word. You found favor. Uh, but then the message goes on and uh, the angel begins to tell Mary what that favor means. That means you're going you're gonna to give birth to the Messiah. Now, this is a promise given in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, for, for centuries, this word has been hanging out there that there will come, a, the fruit of a woman will crush the head of the serpent. There'll be a child that's born that will take back what was stolen in the garden. <laughs> and, and, you know, even in Jewish culture, they would, pr they would pray for Messiah to come, and they they desired for Messiah to come, still to this day, desiring for Messiah to come. Mary gets a message that she's going to give birth to, to a child they will call Jesus, for he will save his people. She would give birth to a Savior. Now, now something else starts gathering in her. What, what all of a sudden, the thoughts, the words of this angel, the initial fear is dispelled because God has favored me. But then when the angel starts talking about what this favor means, amen, she's single. 
favored? What are people going to think when, when, I, when I begin to, you know, everybody starts knowing, you know, you can only hide that so long. <laughs> well, I'm gaining a little weight, you know, you wear looser clothes and people are going to recognize that I'm with child. What's my family going to think when I tell them I'm pregnant? What's Joseph going to think? Is he going to reject me? Will anybody believe me? Will my family disown me? These, these are questions that maybe she thought, but she didn't know the ramifications of at that moment. The fact of the matter is Mary knew the truth. No matter what anybody else thought, in the secret of that moment and in that place, Mary knew the truth, that she had been faithful, that she was being truthful, that the angel had come, that the angel did say, you're going to give birth to a child and his name shall be called Jesus. He is a savior. Mary knew that. In spite of what everybody else may think, Mary knew what God had said. The angel had declared it. You have found favor. So today, when we talk about pondering the promise, I guess a very important place to start is with a question to ask ourselves, how could this be favor when it puts us in a bad position? Maybe others see us in a bad light. We can't explain it where people can understand it. How could the favor of God bring upon her reproach? Because Joseph, he had made up his mind he was going to put her away. He wasn't going to make a public example of her, but he wasn't going to marry. He's going to put her away. Uh, how could that favor, uh, how does that bring reproach or rejection? I thought favor meant everybody would, you know, they'd kind of like... <laughs> Vince Lombardi, they just kind of carry you on their shoulders and even after you're dead and gone, you know, you, you, you become even greater when you're not even around. The favor of God uh, meant to Mary a heavy load to bear. The favor of God to Mary meant rejection. And at that moment, she would bear that rejection alone. I want you to think for a moment about the 33 and a half years that her child that she knew was the Christ, I want you to think about those 33 and a half years culminating with him dying on a cross. I want you to think about the favor of God resonating through, resi uh, going through her mind, resonating, resonating, sorry, I'm trying to resign something and resonate something, resonating through her mind, uh, how is this favor? The child I gave birth to is now on a cross. So this is not just reproach for a moment, <laughs> rejection for a moment. It's 33 and a half years. Now, after his resurrection, the dawning of great truths come to Mary of the eternal message of Jesus Christ and the eternal message of the gospel. But in those moments, you know, if we didn't know this story, it would have a greater impact on us. Because from the front, you know, not knowing the end, it looks really bad. All this stuff the angel said, and then they take him and falsely accuse him and they kill him, it looks, looks really bad. That doesn't look like favor to me, especially if she 
has to bear this load alone. And the Bible says the shepherds came and said, we heard the angels and this is the message they brought to us. And Mary pondered these things. Among all the fears and doubts, one thing stood out among all the others is that it was a promise from God. It was the word of God. And there are times, folks, we just, that's all we have to go on is a promise from God. Uh, it may not look like it's a blessing. It may not look like it's favor. It may not look like we think it ought to turn out. But sometimes all we have to hold on to is a word from the Lord. And I'm standing on the promises of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. So in your notes, if you'll follow along, I think it's very important. Number one, to be chosen by the Lord for an important task is a tremendous honor. It's a tremendous honor to be chosen by the Lord. Can I get an amen? Many are called. I would that all come to repentance. Many are called. Everybody's called. Few are chosen. I want to be one of the chosen Chosen by the Lord for an important task is a tremendous honor. Uh, but there, surely there are qualifications. Surely the Lord just didn't come down and choose, you know, well, hey, you know, I like their hair color, uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the qualifications. The, the, evidently there's qualifications. And with that, there, there has to be responsibilities. If God is going to choose us, like he chose Mary. What was it about Mary? And as we go forward, I think these are important questions to answer. Somebody say amen. We can, give, we can gain insight into obtaining favor by looking at Mary. Somebody say amen. These are in your notes. You can fill in those blanks. They'll be on the screen. We can gain insight by, into obtaining favor by looking at Mary. And this is what we want to look at today. And I want you to, first thing I want you to notice in this regard, Mary did not chase after God's favor. It's been a fad in the last uh, decade, uh, if you, if you uh, like myself being a pastor, and you, you look at church culture uh, in our world today, the favor of God is a phrase that has gotten really popular. I want God's favor. There's songs written about in his favors on you. You know, in spite of what you do or how you live, God favors you. And, you, and, and Mary, I think it's very important for us to recognize, Mary did not chase God's favor. She simply lived in a way that she became the type of person that God wanted to put his favor on. <laughs> she just lived her life in a way that God... Uh, ultimately, that's the person I want to favor with bringing, uh, giving birth to the Christ child. <laughs> Amen. It's, well, I, I have to do this or I have to do that or, or God's not going to favor me or bless me. Listen, if I live faithfully to God and unto the Lord, his favor will be upon me. I'm not chasing his favor. I simply want to obey him <laughs> Many people desire the favor of the Lord, and, and, um, and, and it's attractive. It's attractive. But although many people desire God's favor, many fail to understand what it involves or what it entails. Some people think God's favor generates favor with other people. You've heard that. 
preachers talk about God's favor on you, you're going to get a raise. Send us $1,000 right now and God's favor is going to be on you. He'll multiply it tenfold. God will do this. His favor's on you. And, and because his favor's on you, people are going to recognize it. I want you to think for a moment. The one person in the Bible that's, that it was declared over them, you have found favor. Immediately her life was wrecked. I don't know where they're getting this from. I know there's verses and we, you know, this is a dangerous. You just grab a verse and pull it out and build a doctrine on it. That's not rightly dividing the word. The one woman that is told God's favor is on you didn't see the, 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 the end of it for 30 plus years. People... You know, when Mary, she runs out of her house, hey, I just saw an angel, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. And they didn't, they didn't throw her on their shoulders and march her through town and said, hey, listen to Mary's story. God's favor's on her, man. She is blessed. No, she was ridiculed. Some people think God's favor means everybody's going to recognize it. No, in fact, sometimes people... <laughs> Sometimes people don't recognize God's favor on you. They, they think God may even be cursing you. <laughs> they say, man, the devil's after them or this or that. What I want to tell you, or they're crazy or, or, man, I'm so glad I'm not them. But I want to tell you, God's favor may not mean you're everybody's hero. <laughs> but I want his favor on my life. Somebody say amen. This is very important also. Although many people desire the favor of the Lord, Many people desire it, few obtain it. Now I want to know why. What, what was it that made Mary stand out? What did she do that I might apply to my life? What are the things that made her stand out before God? Something drew God to her. Something drew God to Mary. If I can find out what it is, I, I think I'd, that, that'd be a good starting place. Isaiah 66 and 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Wow. In this verse, I get an idea of what makes God look. What makes him, of all the millions of people in this world, in Isaiah, he said, I've made all this stuff. Everything was made by my hand, and all these things that are seen, I made. But I'll tell you the man I look at. <laughs> it's the, the one that's poor and contrite in his spirit. And it's the one that trembles at my word. Now that doesn't mean his word makes you afraid. It means you respect his word. It means you honor his word. It means you obey his word. Somebody say amen. Now this is very important. If that's what make God, makes God look, then God's favor on a person's life is a result of humility, reverence, and obedience to God's word. It's that simple. If I, if I keep an humble and contrite heart and I reverence his word and obey his word, God says, that's the man I look at. 
I don't know about the rest of you, but I want, I want God's attention. I want his, I want his eye. <laughs> you say, well, I'm saved. And I know we are, but there, there, there's something about the person that God says, that's the one that's going gonna, gonna, that's to gonna find favor. And the Bible says those that are humble and reverent and obedient to his word. That's a good place to start. I said that's a good place to start. Amen. Mary was open not just to anything but to the things of God. Notice that also. Mary was open not just to anything but to the things of God. The angel's message was difficult to understand. We, we are assured of that. But notice what Mary did. She engaged in the conversation. Notice it. The angel says, you're highly favored, and then goes on to tell her some things. But look at Luke 1.34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How many of you, the Lord said some things to you, and it brought up a question in your mind? You say, Oh, I can't question that. Oh, I can't question what the Lord said it. I can't even think. I can't even think a question. But Mary not only thought it, she spouted it. The angel says, you're going to have a child. And she goes, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday, but I know how kids get here. <laughs> and how shall this be, seeing I, I, I haven't known a man. I'm not in a relationship with a man. Children come in one fashion, and, I, we, and this, this is not a part of my life. How is this going to happen? So it's, it's not a bad thing to struggle with how or to understand it. It's not, not a bad thing to, to struggle in your understanding. It's not a bad thing to say, Lord, this is difficult for my mind to grasp. <laughs> it's another thing to say, Lord, whatever it means, I'm not quite sure, but I'm open to the things of God in my life. I don't, rec I don't understand how it's going to turn out. But I, I want you to bless my life. I want your favor in my life. How many's ever had something happen that was difficult to understand? Amen. Very difficult to understand. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing to say, Lord, how can this be? How, how shall this be? Lord, I know you said this. There are times where we need to take our burdens to the Lord. And what do you do with them? Leave them there. <laughs> Am I Okay. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Lord, how can this be? I, I need you to help me because I don't understand what, what, what exactly how this is going to happen. So let's look at a couple of things, and I mentioned them earlier. Mary was humble. Everybody say humble. She said, I'm the servant of the Lord. She didn't act like she was special. She didn't cop an attitude. Uh, well, I'm special. That's very, very important, especially for saved people that God is favored with salvation. That we don't walk through our lives or in, 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 this, in society and, and we feel like, well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm favored, so that makes me better than everybody else. No, uh, Mary was humble. Maybe that's what got his eye. Mary was obedient. Everybody say obedient. She said, be it unto me as according to thy word. Uh, the third thing, Mary was drawn to the deep things. Everybody say the deep things. Shallow people find it hard to be faithful over the long haul. I'm going to say that again. Shallow people find it difficult and very hard to be faithful over the long haul. 
it, yeah, well, when the evangelist is here, yeah, we're faithful then. But what about a month later when the, the, the fireworks aren't going off spiritually? And, uh, amen. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. The Bible says this race is not to the swiftest. It's to the one that endures. Hey, the deep things of God require me, even when I don't understand it, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on running the race. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I'm not living for the moment. There's something bigger than this moment going on here. Well, I'm having a tough time right now. Well, you know what? Look up. God's for you. His favor's on you. It, this is, don't live for the moment. You'll be discouraged in the moment. This is what... How many would say in life there are times where it seems like emotionally there are, there are ups and downs and those ups and downs come really quickly. You know, one, one phone call can put you on the, on the mountaintop and then, you know, half a day later by the evening your kids can have you in the... I don't know why I said your kids. Your kids are good kids. My kids are good kids. Uh, for whatever reason, you're, you're in the valley. You know, when you realize that I cannot base my emotions or my response to God on what's happening at this moment. I want to tell you something. If we if we'd make decisions in the moment in our lives, our lives would be all over the map. The deep things of God require us to be faithful over the long haul. Mary was drawn to bigger things, greater things, God things. So what? People are going to say things. People are going to talk about me. People aren't, they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll, they may call my child names. They may think he's illegitimate or whatever. And, and they say, well, he's not Joseph's. And, and yeah, momentarily, that can be overwhelming. But in the long haul, this child is going to save his people. <laughs> There's the long shot. There's the distant view. If you just look at the problems it's going to cause right now, you may get discouraged. Well, I don't know if I want God's favor in the moment. But I want to tell you what. God knows how to write the end of the story. He cannot fail. Amen. Somebody say amen. Well, let's give the Lord a good hand clap today. Amen. She's drawn to bigger things. There's bigger things. There's greater things. Amen. Luke 2 and 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them. Everybody say pondered them. What is pondering? When I say pondering, pondering, pondering. I pondered last week. How many's pondered in the last? Raise your hand if you've pondered in the last week. Pondered. When I say ponder, what does that say to you? Thinking. Now, there's something we ought to do. Think. <laughs> Think. Wow. Ponder. Think about it. I pondered last week. I'll tell you what I pondered over. I got a hankering. I got a hankered, Brother David, for an apple pie. Brother David brought me some delicious, me, my family, some delicious apples. Man, those were wonderful. And some cider, I might add. Soft cider, not hard cider. Okay. 
We had apples, and I thought, you know, we got a great recipe for an apple pie. We've had it for years. I mean, it's one of the family favorites, and I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that apple pie. So I dig through the little recipe box. I find it. It's Vonda's apple pie. I won't tell you who Vonda is. doesn't make any difference about this story. But I'll say this. I got the, you know, it's a homemade crust, so I got all the crusts made and got the crust in the pan. Then you have some for the top, and I got all that done. And then you start, you get the apples chopped up, and you put them in a bowl, and there's, there's a few uh, ingredients that go into apples, you know, cinnamon and sugar and a few other things. And I'm looking at the filling part of the recipe, and I, you know, one tablespoon of cinnamon, throw that in there, and, I, and then I come to sugar, and it's uh, eight cups This is one apple pie, Sister Nora. Four apples, eight cups. They can look at the recipe. They, my family looked at it after I had this debacle. And they said, yep, looks like an eight to me. But I'm telling you, I put four cups in there and I thought, that's a lot of sugar and I'm only half done. I'm going to tell you what pondering looks like in that moment. The recipes on that side of the kitchen... My bowl with four cups already of sugar in it is over here. Pondering makes a trip back and forth across the kitchen. Another cup. Wait a minute. Is that what that said? Yeah, eight. I can't believe it. There ain't no way it's eight cups. Wait just a minute. I may have misread. I picked the card up and turned it over to make sure it hadn't gotten wet and part of the front had transmitted onto the back. Sure enough, eight. It looked like eight from the back. It looked like eight from the front. So, Brother Pate, like an obedient, humble servant. Yes, Lord, eight cups. I start mixing that up, and I'm like, there ain't no way. I can't even find the apples in here. I kid you not. So I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm like, that's got to be wrong. So I started getting the apples out with my hands, shaking them off, taking them over to the apple pie where the crust was and laying them in there. And, I, and while I'm doing that, I'm still pondering. I get all the apples dipped out and shaken out in my hands and stuck in there, and I think, maybe it is eight. So I go get some sugar out of there and put it on there and pat it down. And I look in the bowl, and I look on the pie, and I think there ain't no way all that's going to fit in there. So I get as much as I can in there. Put the crust on top, stick it in the oven. It starts cooking. I'm telling you, it smelled awesome. I pulled it out. It was uh, church night. It was Wednesday night. (laughs) I pulled it out of the oven, set it on the top of the stove, and me and Shayla made a comment, we're going to eat that after church. So sure enough, after church, we get home, you know, I start relaxing a little bit, and I think I'm fixing to bust into that apple pie. Yeah. I get a knife, I stick it down in there, and I, I realize the knife doesn't go all the way to the bottom of the pan. It goes about halfway and it hit something that I didn't put in there. And I start hitting it. And it sounds like 
this pulpit right here. And I'm like, what is that? And I push real hard thinking, well, maybe it's just, maybe the crust got real hard. And I push, and it finally goes all the way to the glass. And I'm like, okay, that. And so I cut it, and I cut that part, and I pick it up. And about a half an inch, the bottom crust and all that sugar, with all that heat on the bottom, it was toffee. Just a coating of toffee. Just hard, rock hard. There ain't enough ice cream to cover that mistake. I put three scoops of ice cream on it, and that was so sweet. (laughs) Whoa. Come to find out, it's one cup of sugar. Yeah. So I tried it again. Didn't ponder near as much this time. Just put a cup in, put it in the oven. This is going to be good. You know, what you ponder over is something you don't quite understand. You don't ponder about stuff you know. You just ponder about things you're not quite sure of. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Pondering suggests in her heart that Mary struggled with God's will. Oh, was she faithful? Absolutely. Let's put it in 21st century terms. Did she still come to church and pray and raise her? Oh, yeah. But she was pondering in her heart. Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. But I sure believe you. You've never let me down. Listen, it's not hypocritical. Surely, surely you know that, that it's okay to in your heart say, I'm not sure what God's doing and I'm struggling with it, but it's still okay to struggle the right way. To struggle in faith and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do all this, but be it unto me according to thy word. I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to serve you. Oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. This is a lesson for us. And I, I've got to hurry. Mary, Mary pondered them. Maybe I say she pondered them. God is looking for people to show favor toward He wants to show favor to you. Somebody say amen. He wants to show favor to me. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 tells us that for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Remember, you've heard this before. If you've been in this church very long, the Bible says Satan goeth about as a roaring lion. He walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, God is always ahead of the seat. The eyes of the Lord run. The devil is walking. God's running. The eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose hearts is perfect toward him. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless my life. But it doesn't always look like what the world says is favor. In spite of the impossibilities, when God places his favor on you, impossibilities become realities. That's in your notes. In spite of the impossibilities, when God's hand is on you, doesn't matter what's impossible. Somebody say amen. 
highly favored does not mean problem-free living and prosperous living. No. Highly favored means the impossibilities are not going to be impossible because with God all things. You know what else his blessing and favor means? It means God is with us. God's favor means God is with us. Somebody say amen. The Bible is full of people whose God's favor was on their life and they suffered great hardship. Think about Moses. Think about Moses. Somebody say amen. Think about Job. Think about Noah. Think about Noah. God's favor was on him, but it brought great hardship. Think about Daniel. The Bible's full of them. I don't want to take a lot of time. I could tell all their stories, and and you could recognize that God's favor didn't exempt them from suffering great hardship. God's favor was on them. Notice also the favor of the Lord is often accompanied with both excitement, everybody say excitement, and struggle, joy and pain. And there's tension between those two. Excitement and fear, joy and pain. I'm going to have a baby. What's Joseph going to think? The baby's going to be the Messiah, but Herod's killing all the babies. The tension between excitement and fear and joy and pain. We have to navigate through that. We have to trust God through that. Somebody say amen. So let's talk in closing about pondering, pondering the promise. We can ponder. There are things God said to you that you don't understand right now, but prayerfully consider things and purpose not to make decisions based on emotions. Say, you know what, God, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm going to be faithful even though I don't understand what you're doing. I'm standing on your word. Somebody say amen. I want to finish this lesson today with a wonderful story. It's about a man who they thought was insane, Despite his rejections about that and objections about it, he was misdiagnosed. This was the 1800s, so uh, in that century, in that time frame, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, professional diagnosis. Uh, The realm of normal, if you were outside that range, you were just insane, and they put you in confinement. And there were methods for treating the in, uh, mentally ill and, and uh, you know, those things develop over time. At those times, there was, it was underdeveloped and there wasn't a lot of treatment. So if you were unstable in any way or what society says is unstable, uh, they, you were admitted, you were confined. It was basically prison. You would certainly lose your sanity then of what others may think. In a book by Robert Patterson, his book is called the, Ama- the Book of Amazing Stories. He tells about the man after he died, this man who they thought was insane. They put him in an institution. He stayed there the rest of his days, and he died. And this is what Robert Peterson tells about this amazing story. He says, when the workers who came to clean up his cell, when they began to clean up his cell and remove his body, get all of his belongings out, they discovered a poem scribbled on the wall next to his bed. The doctors were perplexed. How could a lunatic articulate such beauty? Actually, they weren't his words. Come to find out before they locked him away in the asylum, 
he evidently had memorized lines written by a Jewish rabbi 900 years earlier. But he didn't want to forget them. So locked away in an insane asylum, he scratched them on the wall as a lifeline of hope when he was drowning in a rising sea of insanity. Close quote. Interestingly, the evangelist Frederick M. Lehman, who was greatly discouraged at the time, took the words that they found in this man's cell and put them as the third verse to one of his songs. Few people knew the words were based on the words of a medieval rabbi who was defending a group of Jews from anti-Semitic attacks or that it was later scribbled 900 years later on the wall of an insane asylum. But more interesting is how the discouraged evangelist, Reverend Lehman, found, came to find those words in the first place. A worker that was cleaning out this insane asylum, insane asylum took those words down on a piece of paper. He wrote it with pencil on a scrap of paper. The paper passed through many hands over several years. The story goes that the evangelist, Reverend Lehman, discouraged, found it lying in an apple crate in the corner of a room and turned the words into the last verse of his song. The words written by a rabbi running for his life and held on by an inmate who they thought was insane trying to keep his sanity. Those words scribbled on the stone of that wall. These words turned into a song by a discouraged evangelist who was trying to find hope. The song illustrates that God's word can sustain us even for centuries. And 900 years later, an insane, a thought insane man scribbles it on a stone wall. Somebody writes it down on a piece of paper and years later that piece of paper is found by a discouraged songwriting evangelist. I think it's good enough we ought to try it. Well, we get all the equipment on. Somebody say praise the Lord. It was on the last time I checked. Here we go. Hey, we can. Let's do this. Here we go. I got it. It goes like this. Could we with ink the ocean fill were the skies a parchment
may remember the chorus. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how give God praise today for what he's done in our lives hallelujah thank you Lord for your blessings thank you for your favor God thank you for what you've done in my life Jesus I want to trust you with all my heart lean not to my own understanding but in all my ways acknowledge you Lord Lord I know you're up to something Lord even though I may not see it I thank you for your love Jesus Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap today. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Anybody thankful for the love of God? Amen. God's good, isn't he? Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day today. We're going to have a great service in our main service. God's blessed you. And he's brought you here today to receive something from the Lord. Amen. I want to receive it, don't you? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed from this class today. Let's have a great time in worship here in just a few moments. God bless you.